Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks for listening to or downloading and tuning in to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, joined by Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, a founding member of this uh, podcast. And uh, I just joined yesterday, was my first, and uh, today we're not going to talk about Alan Cutler. We're going to talk about uh, UK basketball uh, being number one, and then you're working on a story, Kyle, about the uh, defense and just how good this defense is this early. Uh, of course, Calipari talked to the media today ahead of uh, Tuesday's game against Evansville, so we'll get into that a little bit. And then Mark Stoops uh, also spoke uh, ahead, his, his Monday weekly presser uh, discussing the Vanderbilt game, but really he discussed the Tennessee game more than the Vanderbilt game. And we'll get into that as well in our third segment. But these first two segments on UK basketball and the big news to start the day was that the Cats are ranked number one in the AP poll uh, yet again under John Calipari. Yeah, it's a really uh, pretty remarkable stat that in this is his 11th season, uh, one week into. <laughs> one week into his 11th season and already they are ranked number one. Uh, They've been ranked number one at some point in seven of those 11 years. I mean, that is amazing. There's a lot of crazy stats, you know, I mean, he's won more games. He's been to more final fours and more elite eights and had more draft picks and more lottery picks and more number (laughs) one picks than any other coach. Uh, All those are, are, are the most in college basketball in his now 11 years, but to be ranked number one, at least some point, seven times out of 11 years. And I think I would guess, I'm pretty sure within those other years, they've been at least top three, probably at some point. Um, Certainly top five, I would think at some point. Um, And what that speaks to, to me, as much as anything is the thing I tell people a lot. Like if they're, as people debate, like, Oh, should he have won more titles? Like, has he been a success or a disappointment considering all the talent he's had? What I would say is he's done something that's really hard to do, and that is almost every single year at some point you've been able, if you're a Kentucky fan, to believe that Kentucky might be good enough to win the national title. Yeah, there's almost, plenty. Of, yeah. You know, almost every season. Um, there's I'd, plenty of respect for his teams, knowing that he has to turn over a roster almost every season and gets that talent to come in there. And what happens a lot of times is that really high ranking, and then they drop back a little bit as they're figuring out. But you're absolutely right that he has sustained the idea that he has a good enough team to compete for a, a spot in the Final Four most every single year he's been here. Yeah, and I mean, what, six times now? Is it six or seven? Seven times now, they've been one of the last eight teams standing. So yeah. you know that's the thing too. It's not just you know rankings, which ultimately don't mean that much. At the end of the year, seven times out of his first ten years, they were two wins away from playing for the national championship. At, you know, at worst. Um, and so you know it it it, it speaks to to. Uh, a level of sustained, you know, high-end success that not many people uh, have reached. The, the other interesting note about the rankings today, and it's funny because Cal Perry in his post-game radio show, they had video that uh, I think the official account shared today saying, sorry, fans. He said in his post-game uh, radio show when people kind of stick around at Rupp Arena to listen to him, and yeah. he'll sign balls and stuff, if, uh, you know, we did what we did, we beat number one, 
in the garden. We did, you know, blew somebody out tonight, but I guarantee you we won't have all the number one votes on Monday. (laughs) And he said, if we do, I'll take you all out to dinner. And they were one, I think it was like 65 votes, and they had 64 of them. One guy did not vote them number one, and they had Louisville number one. And not only that, that's like totally crazy, but not only that, yeah. they had Kentucky number four. Uh, yeah. Kentucky I, paid, uh, Calipari paid that guy off. You wanted to make sure he yeah. had to pay the bill for yeah. that dinner, I, that dinner I, bill. And, you know, I, I really more disagree with Kentucky being as low as four more than I disagree with Louisville at one. I mean, you're kind of picking picking nits when you're trying to decide between the top five teams and uh, it was a, so you would think it's right somebody that covers Louisville you would assume but it isn't right uh, it's a guy that covers UConn and he explained John Hale talked to him uh, at the Courier Journal and he basically said like I was really high on Louisville going into the year I think he had him number two to start the year and they had an impressive road win same night Kentucky beat Michigan State they went on the road and won comfortably uh, at Miami which is a really nice win yeah um, and just basically said they hadn't done anything to you know, diminish what I thought about him going in when I had him ranked number two. Um, and he just basically said he let, I think Kentucky, he had sixth or seventh going in. So he moved them up a couple spots. Um, it's odd. It's odd when they beat, you know, they beat the number one team in the country and, and Michigan. But State. he's judging things on his own poll. Yeah. And, and, basically. and, and I'll yeah. give him some respect for that. That's fine. Um, That's what I do when I vote in the high school polls. There's six classes in Kentucky and I, I decide what I think they are, and then when one wins or loses or one has an impressive win or whatever, I I move them based on what I think they are, not what, you know, everyone else says. So, like, if the state ranking is somebody number one, but you're ranking, you know, they're, they're number eight, you don't give as much credit to the team that beats the – the consensus number one, if you don't really think that that team is number one, is what you're saying. Yeah, basically. yeah, essentially that's it. Like, yeah. you know, Covington Catholic and Frederick yeah. Douglass were one and two all season in 5A, and I thought Douglass was the more impressive team. And so, if yeah, if somebody were to beat Covington Catholic, I, would, I wouldn't give them as much credit as if they had beaten Douglass. So, yes, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I here, the, the, thing, the thing is, none of it matters. No. no nothing no. about the poll of either poll matters. It has... No impact on anything except for when you go through your, uh, like to the ESPN scoreboard, uh, the teams that are in the top 25 show up first because they, they give you the top 25. Or if you're trying to figure out what's a great game that night, the, the ranking beside the names so, sometimes help us to go, oh, that's a really good game. And, you know, it was very convenient for the Champions Classic that the number one, two, three, and four teams were all playing in it. That makes a, a nice little neat little, uh, you know, hype uh, piece. But otherwise, it has no impact on uh, the selection committee. Uh, they use more advanced metrics, the net ranking that doesn't come out this year till December. Um, so this is all just kind of bragging rights stuff, and it just it doesn't matter all that much. And one, it, of those, one of those metrics they use is the Ken Palm rankings and his offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency rankings and even though Kentucky beat Michigan State as of Monday night Michigan State is still number one in the Ken Palm rankings because their offensive efficiency is number one and their defense is fifth and Kentucky is number two because their offense is seventh and their defense is two so when you add the the offense and defense together Michigan State has the higher ranking so it's Michigan State one Kentucky two Louisville three 
yeah. in, in those Ken Palm rankings. Yeah, and that's a, it's such a small sample size that it's hard to say much. But I, you know, uh, what, but it doesn't I, account for head to head, right? It, yeah, right, and it also doesn't account for that. Um, it is a little odd though that somebody you got your number one and your number two, and the, and the, the number two team beat number one like a week ago. But um, <laughs> you know, the other thing there when you talk about the defense, they're ranked second in defensive efficiency. Um, that was a big topic today as uh, we're recording on Monday night. Uh, Calipari spoke, Emmanuel quickly spoke, and Khalil Whitney spoke to the media uh, ahead of the uh, Evansville game Tuesday night. Uh, Walter McCarty coming back to town. Um, you know, and, and it, there's a heavy focus on defense, and, and some of that I was sort of directing uh, some of that questioning because I, I, when they brought out Khalil Whitney, I was just really impressed with him in the Michigan State game. Um, yeah. I thought he played some really good, instinctive, unusually uh, high-level defense for a freshman in his first game against such a you know high-end opponent and a, a, such a great point guard. He had a couple plays where he helped out on Cassius Winston and really uh, disrupted him uh, and then looked good, really good defensively uh, against Eastern Kentucky the other night. And just as a whole, the defense has been really suffocating. Yeah. Um, you know, in Cal Perry, the, he, he said last week, you know, when I think about my teams, I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure there are, in 11 years, I'm not sure there's two that have been better than this one defensively this early. Right. Uh, you know, that kind of catches your, your ear a little bit. Um, and then he talked more about it today. Well, I guess we should take a break and then. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's and, save that for this next segment that. here. Yeah, you said you're working on a piece for the athletic about this defense. So. We'll get into that a little bit more uh, and talk uh, about this Evansville game some some more when Locked On Kentucky continues after this. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. So I'm I'm going through, uh, you know, watching. Uh, I have access to something called a Synergy now, thanks to The Athletic, and it is ridiculous. It is a company that they must employ an army of people. They basically go through every college and NBA game and have people logging the video of every type of play for every player, you know, every defensive possession, every offensive possession, uh, and then they put it into statistical form. They have all these advanced statistics, and you can see where a guy ranks nationally you know, in terms of percentile, you know, like 90th percentile in X, Y, or Z and this, that, or the Gosh, other. Gosh, that, that is an awesome resource. Dude, I mean, dude, I would eat crazy. that up. I would and, eat and it up. It's apparently very expensive. And so we kind of begged and begged for it, and they gave it to us. And I'm I'm learning how to use it, but I, I'm trying to make use of it because it, it is uh, – it's like a nuclear weapon in terms of being able to <laughs> yeah. to take to take kind of, kind of deeper looks at teams. Uh, and, and what's crazy is, so like, it'll have all, well, I'll pull up my interface here. It'll have, uh, right now I'm looking at like overall, uh, you know, Ashton Hagen's defensively, he's had, you know, 28 possessions given up, uh, 18 points. Uh, you know, Nate Sestina's 20, 20, uh, kind of individual defensive possessions given up five points. He's in the 96th, wow. 96th percentile. Uh, nationally, and these can be kind of like a little bit skewed early on because it's they're very small sample sizes. Uh, but what's really crazy about Synergy is then you can click on like next to Nate Sestina, twenty defensive possessions. I click the number twenty; it's a hyperlink, and up pops a video that is just spliced together every clip of him playing defense so far this season. Unreal! 
and you can watch and that it is all. Unreal. You can watch it all in like four minutes. Um, so you know, hopefully, I can have more educated thoughts on on the team as I, as the season goes along because of this. Well, I mean, that's coaching level type access. Well, that's what the coaches. Yeah, that's what they use. Uh, they, yeah. I think, they all have synergy accounts. So you know, like I, I can go through Khalil Whitney's uh, defense from the Eastern Kentucky game. You know, starts out first possession. He's the help defender and forces a travel. Uh, next possession, he closes out really quickly and really well uh, on a three-pointer that is missed. Next possession, he's defending a one-on-one drive, cuts off his man, and it's a miss. Uh, fouls a three-point shooter in the corner in the next possession, then helping on a driver, left his man open for a made three, uh, cut off a driver in a contested pull-up jump shot for a miss, uh, helped on a driver and left another man open for three. That happened twice. Those are the two bad things that happened in the Eastern game. But overall, he then he helps on a driver, recovers to close out on a missed three, cuts off a driver, uh, gives up a contested jump shot. He it was he played it really well, but it was a make. Uh, then another closeout on a missed three, uh, and uh, that was it. I mean, he so you know he gave up two threes when he was trying to help out on a driver. Otherwise, yeah. when hit on his man, he was pretty much 100% uh, on shutting guys down. Um, so that's kind of some of the level of stuff you can, you can see on there. And that just – being able to see that helps you ask an informed question and you go to Cal and say, I think he's been really good. And Cal takes that and runs with it because, yes, he, he said, quote, unquote, yeah. he was unbelievable. People who watched Khalil in high school uh, and watched him in that Michigan State game couldn't believe it was the same guy. If you demand a lot, you get a lot. If you accept mediocrity, mediocrity, you get it every time. Right. Uh, and so that, I thought that was really interesting. And then the, the point he made about the defense overall was my best teams defensively are when I have some veterans back because they show the other guys the way. You know, They know what I want, and then they kind of drag the other young guys with them. Um, and the know, 2015 team being the standard for that that, that you always come back to. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and if you think about it, when you return, you know, if it if it matters a lot to Calipari's defense to have guys back who know what you expect, could you ask for anything better than having back the returning SEC defensive player of the year at point guard <laughs> right. to lead the way? And then Emmanuel Quickly, who is a very good, you know, look talking about synergy a year ago, according to synergy, as much as you think of Ashton Hagens as that dude. Uh, largely because he makes the the spectacular play, the you know the intercepted pass and gliding in for a layup. On the whole, Synergy graded Emmanuel quickly as the best defender on the team. Huh. Uh, you know, and so you got him back, you got quickly back there, the head of the snake. They've called themselves that. You know, in the backcourt, you add a freshman like Maxi who loves to defend, and then a freshman like Khalil Whitney who you know has really embraced defensive play and he's a six six guy with a seven one wingspan on the wing. Um you And then got, Sestina. <laughs> yeah, you got Sestina who's talking and kind of guiding them and Cal brought that up today too. And then if Nick Richards will be the guy who blocked four shots the other night, if you've got a rim protector behind all this uh, on the perimeter, you really have a chance to be special. And I think you can hear it almost even without listening to the words, just in the tone and the and the the energy of Calipari's voice when you ask him about the defense right now, he's very excited about it. Yeah, yeah, and he said Nick is Nick's whole thing is his confidence. That's that's where all of that is coming from, and it's through, through the work he's put in, and then being in better shape. And I noticed this, you know, on media day they let us, 
you know, stick around for like 15 minutes to watch the beginning of practice. And really, we didn't see a whole lot, but we did get to see them do like the, uh, uh, I forget what they call the drill, but it's like 15 touches or something like that. And it's basically just running baseline to baseline. Yeah, baseline to baseline and, you know, quickly finished first in that and didn't even, he wasn't even sweating and he finished first. But Nick Richards was right behind him, right on his heel. It was like two steps that quickly beat Richards. So you think about the Tyrese Maxey and Ashton Hagens and, you know, Khalil Whitney, who probably has like 2% body fat. Yes. And it's and it's Nick Richards beating all of those guys outside of quickly. That was the only one that got him by a couple steps. A couple, so, a couple of years ago at the their, their preseason combine, he had like – you know, he's seven – first of all, he's seven feet with a seven-five wingspan. I think he's got like a 38-inch vertical, which is a lot. So you're already – if you just stand there and raise your hands in the air, you're nine yeah. feet tall, and then you can jump three feet off the ground. Uh, and he he uh, out-sprinted – you know, Quad A Green was never a burner, but he was a yeah. point guard who weighed about 165 pounds. He yeah. was one And giant seven-foot, 250-pound Nick Richards – ran a faster three-quarter court sprint than him. He's a terrific athlete. Mm, I mean, yeah. if, Nick, if Nick puts it together mentally, he, he has everything physically the NBA could ever want. Well, speaking of that front court, uh, Calipari said EJ Montgomery doubtful to play in this game. Uh, and then leading right into that, he was asked about Dante Allen, and he said, yeah, he hasn't even practiced yet. But um, EJ... Uh, I'm not sure what that injury is, but you could see him limping in that Michigan State game, and now you know it's going to be a, a second game that he's yeah, going to he, miss. He passed through the lobby as we were waiting to talk to people. He was in a walking boot today. Um, you know, I think it's just a turned ankle. And uh, yeah, uh, the thing, the nice thing for them is this. You know, there's not a game in this stretch. You know, like they've got nine games in a row after the Michigan State game before they get to you know Georgia Tech, Utah, uh, Ohio State, and Louisville. Uh, kind yeah. of kind of crank up the competition again. They've got nine games to where nobody's going to beat them. You know, it would be a, a huge upset if someone did in this this run of games, and they can let guys play. And Cal Perry basically said, you, you know, we're better with him, but, you know, this is somebody else's opportunity. Um, it's a chance for Nick to really get his confidence up. I think it's a chance to, uh, to just, you know, a guy who's going to eventually probably lose some minutes this night, you know, if if I would think, you know, if some of these other guys play well. Right. Um, this chance mm -hmm. for him, you know, to really just let him play, um, you know, and ex and to experiment with with the Brooks and Whitney, you know, at the at the power forward spot and playing small a little bit. Um, certainly, this isn't going to hurt them right now. Uh, it's going to hurt EJ. You know, yes. for him, yeah. he he that that's the the downer is that that EJ doesn't get those minutes to go play against lesser competition and decide whether or not he's up to the challenge. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, which we still don't, you know, we don't know yet. But, uh, um, you know, I, I don't think this is any kind of serious injury for EJ. It's just one that you big guy turns his ankle. Sometimes it takes a while. The other thing that I found uh, from Calipari's um, presser, I guess you call it, whatever, um, was that he said that this year's team is much further ahead in like player empowerment. Like he's already seeing that these guys are already holding one another accountable uh, way more 
than at this time last year. Yeah, he said. Somebody said, "Where you know you talked about that a lot last year." In fact, I think it was somebody that's only been around for a year or two. He's like, "That was a big talking point for you last year." It's a big. <laughs> yeah. It's and the last eight years, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but he said, "Where you know where are you that in terms of that this year?" And Cal, the direct quote was, "Way way far ahead," which is yeah. you know that's encouraging. I mean, you you hope. I don't think you can just assume that because some guys came back that that's good. It isn't always good that guys come right. back. You know what I mean? It's got to be the right guys. But you hope that when you're in a program like Kentucky where you have so much turnover, if you have four guys who are former you know, five stars, all four guys that came back are former five-star recruits, and then you've got an all-conference grad transfer senior in Nate Sestina, when you've got five guys like that coming in and the number two recruiting class, you'd hope that's – that's the kind of the dream mix that that has been so good for them uh, more than once here um and it seems like this is that kind of group you know it, it doesn't always work out that way but i you know i think having hagans who you know is an alpha having quickly who's a guy who's really come out with something to prove and then you know i i still don't know what we get from ej but when you have nick who is in year three and it really feels like he like the light bulb is coming on i think that's a nice mix the last thing on basketball before we move on to football, but uh, I, this is setting up where it could be uh, Kentucky keeps that number one ranking and stays unbeaten, and then Louisville also takes care of business and maybe moves into that number two oh, spot. Oh, wow, yeah. And, and that's the game we get, one versus two. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that, but, yeah, I mean, I, there's, a I think, a better-than-average chance that that's exactly what it ends up being. And yeah. I, how often does one team play in, in multiple one versus two games before you even get to January in a whole season, right. much less before you even get to January? That's, that, that's pretty great. All right, next we're going to talk Kentucky football. Mark Stoops uh, reviewing that uh, game against Tennessee, defending it, really. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit and some of the things he said that you could read between the lines. is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, well, let's talk football now, Kyle. We had uh, Mark Stoops talking to the media on Monday, and we're recording this on Monday night, and he spent uh, a good deal of his opening statement basically defending uh, the way they're playing football right now offensively with Lynn Bowden, uh, almost like he anticipated uh, all the questions that were coming about um, being one-dimensional and no threat of a passing game and why aren't you using Sawyer Smith. Uh, so he volunteered all that stuff first, and then all the questions came rolling in. But I would say three-quarters of that press conference was defending how they're playing right now. So clearly some of it's gotten through to him, Stoops, the criticism. Well, sure. I mean, and you know, he even acknowledged that you, you, you look at the drive chart, you look at, you know, possessing the ball for 42 minutes and rushing for 300 yards and losing a game. There, that just never happened. I mean, the, the, one three and out the whole game. It, it, I mean, everything seems, if you look at some of those numbers, you, you couldn't imagine that that team loses the game. And he basically said that. Like, we're looking at it going, like, how do you lose that game just like yeah. you are? Um, but he also made the point, and I think it's exactly right, and I said it, I was on radio today and, and said the same thing. You know, for all the complaining now, if they just make a play from the one-yard line, 
one more play at the end of the game, nobody's questioning anything. Yeah, and that's you what know? he said. He said, you'd be calling me an idiot if I threw Sawyer Smith in there and then we, you know, our yeah. offensive efficiency is different. And just think about it. He's like, think about it. Really think about it. How different would, you know, this be right now had we gotten that one yard? Right, because you you do you did dominate the time. Of, I mean, you, you held the ball. You had an offensive plan that allowed you to keep the ball for 42 minutes. And you yeah, went for I, 300 yards against a team that knew you couldn't throw the ball. That's hard yeah. to do. Both those things, those things are hard to do. They started the game with a 17-play, 10-minute drive, which was <laughs> in, astoundingly good. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's as good as you can do offense. You, know, you, you, you burned up the entire first quarter and left with a lead. Um, you know, and then you end the game with this long drive. And, and you know, they basically chewed up the entire first and fourth, fourth quarters with that offense that everybody's complaining about. And they got and, to the and they got to the one yard line, needing to make one play, to win the game. Uh, and so I do, you know, I get the complaints. I know they need to find some passing, whether it's with Lynn, or you know, finding a way to work, work Sawyer Smith in. But I, I'm I'm with Stoops on this that like they're one play away from nobody saying a damn thing about this offense. Exactly, and that was pretty much his explanation of why. Sawyer Smith is, is not in the game. Is he's like, look at these numbers, uh, look at look at what we did, look at our offensive efficiency. And you know, Stoops is a ball control, run the ball, play good defense kind of guy anyway. And so when he looks at those numbers, he's like, how can how can I go to a passing game? And then we go three and out, and then we go yeah. three and out. I, well, I there's can't no do there's that. there's no chance they control the ball for forty two minutes. No, mm-hmm. with Sawyer Smith at quarterback. You know, the one thing uh, I wonder about, he said it was cliche, but he said, and I'm, he's, I know it's coach speak and cliche and all that stuff, but we just have to find a way to get those yards. And I, I wonder when he says that if he means uh, run the same plays and execute them better or be more creative. Um, maybe so a little we'll bit see. of both, you know, yeah. maybe a little bit of both. I think, you know, I think if I were, if I think, I, I think if I ended up, what was it, th- second down from the, Four was it the six? Yeah, sec- the second and goal. It was first and goal from the six, second and goal from the four, third and goal from the one, and then fourth and goal from the two. Yeah. So I, I think I think once I'm at the four with three downs to go, I think I'm just putting it in in Rodriguez's belly, and yeah. you know putting uh, give him line up an extra offensive lineman and just mash him. You know, I mean, find well, I think a way. The p- the plays where Rodriguez got it on first down for two yards, Bowden carried it on second down for two yards, Rodriguez again and lost a yard. And Stoops explained that, that they had, the way they had the play set up, an extra guy came into the picture for Tennessee, and that left a one-on-one matchup with Rodriguez in the hole. And he basically said if Rodriguez has a little bit better vision, then he tries to catch you know, that guy sideways a little bit instead of squaring up. And right. so it wound up being a square up situation and Rodriguez lost that battle. And he said, it's not Chris's fault, really. It's just, you know, with more experience, you know, maybe that's it. I mean, that's how close we're talking about. Yep. If he gets in that spot, um, they've got a guy pulling to take care of that linebacker. But there was an extra guy there. Then that creates the one-on-one with Rodriguez. And if he hits it right, and is able to get that guy, like Stoops is explaining it, it's there. We see it. And if he makes it the right move there, it's a touchdown, and it's completely different. That's how close it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's it's two. I wonder even if you just flipped if you flipped those two plays, third and fourth down. If you run that option pitch on uh-huh. third on yeah. third down, does yeah. Lynn does Lynn throw it? Uh, does he pitch it because he knows? Hey, even if he gets tackled, we've got another shot here. You know, I think he keeps it because he thinks. You know, there's a guy out there that's 50-50. If he can break that tackle, I'm going to just trust myself here. Um, I don't know. But, but again, they're one play away. They make one play. They win. They beat Tennessee. Lynn Bowden is 3-1 and one as the starting quarterback. And, you know, and you just two go. 2-2. and two. He's 2-2. Two and Because two. they lost to Georgia and then Tennessee. Oh, oh I get yeah. you saying. If, if they make yeah, the yeah, one right. play, then Lynn Bowden's 3-1. Right, and one. right. Yeah. Uh, and, you, and, and nobody says anything. Uh, nobody's claiming for change at all, I don't think. But, uh, you know, and and we got the one – the one thing is we didn't get really any clarity out of Stoops, I don't – unless I missed it, about, you know, one, you know, how healthy is Sawyer Smith? I mean, have they ever – have they ever acknowledged that at all? Uh, And that's the question that remains to be seen. And, and like, if if there's something lingering, it would do no good for them to say it. So they're not going to say it if there's something right. going on there. Because you do want to keep dangling that out there so that every defensive coordinator has to be preparing for that. And think about it. The only thing that makes that, that gives me pause to say that he's just not healthy enough, period, is that right before the Missouri game, uh, or after the Missouri game, Stoops revealed that the Sunday before the Missouri game, that Eddie Grand and Darren Henshaw and Stoops met three different times on Sunday about whether or not to go with Sawyer Smith or go with Lynn Bowden. Hmm. And then Stoops said that it was weighing so heavily on Eddie that he came back to him on Monday and was like, we, we got to decide. We need, we need to know. And then Henshaw said after the game that it was this, again, guys, this isn't me and Grand deciding. We're giving Stoops information. Stoops ultimately makes the call, and Stoops said finally on Monday they decided to go with Lynn. So if he's speaking the truth there, and I don't know why he would tell and go into that much detail to lie about that, but if that's true and they've considered it that closely uh, going into that Missouri game, uh, then i got to think that there is a chance that that Sawyer is available to play and and maybe start and finish a game. It's just that they're not sure that they trust – that's our best option because they yeah. saw what happened in South Carolina and Mississippi State. Yep, and I think there's also this factor, and I, you know, as I understand it from what happened behind the scenes, at some point during all this, Lynn Bowden, I think, went to the I know, went to the staff and said, "I want to be the quarterback, not a gimmicky package guy that you're trotting in and out of there. I want to be the guy. If you want me to play quarterback, I want to be the quarterback." Uh, and you know, I think that's a factor too. Yeah, um, you know, I, I mean, he's putting himself on the line. He's putting his body on the line. Uh, you know, he's playing outside of the position where he wants to play in the NFL. Um, he's kind of he's definitely you, galvanized the team. Yeah, he's giving you all he's got. I think he wants to have a full. You know, he wants the full thing. Uh, now he's gonna have to throw some passes that get connected because I think at some point soon, maybe in this next game, if he's not and it's and they're stalling out. Uh, they're going to have to, you know, whatever, no matter what Lynn wants and no matter what he's given them, and it's been a lot, you know, the coaches will have to make the hard decision of like, look, we've got to try to throw the ball into the end zone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think they get scared because they had, there was a play in that game where they had, Lynn had Justin Rigg down the seam, down the middle, and he was behind the defender and there was nobody left. If he completes that ball and it was there, 
then that's maybe a touchdown unless Rig gets caught from behind. But instead of making a you know a strong throw, Lynn left it out there a little bit and floated it a little too much, and that was the interception. Yeah, uh, and I think that's that scares them. Well, if we throw the ball there, well, we can't we can't yeah. afford interception here. We can't afford a turnover. This game's too tight. The margin of error is too yeah. thin. We can't afford that. But you saw, and they, I mean, then Lynn described his pass to Ali in the end zone. And he's like, yeah, if I threw it just a little bit this way, no, nah, it was it was way off. You didn't yeah. give Ollie a chance at all. But if you hit him, it, yes, it would have been a touchdown. And then you only have seven shots at that a game. Right. And so if you're not in a rhythm that way and you've been running the ball for 20 straight plays and now all of a sudden you need to hit one pass, it's a little bit harder for a guy who's not used to throwing the ball anyway. Uh, so I, it's just really tough uh, that way with Lynn Bowden at quarterback. But I, the most impressive thing to me when you talk about him wanting to be the quarterback and then the role, accepting the role, embracing it, and taking it on is after the game, he said, I walked out off the field with my head down and didn't interact with the fans, and I want to apologize to them right now. I'm a leader on this team, and I need to keep my head up. And I got a little bit emotional in the locker room, and that's because I am a leader, and I'm not going to let these guys get down. We've got – We've got games to win, and this can be something that makes or breaks the team, and this is going to make us, in my, or my opinion. And that You have yeah. to have, in these, these times, you have to have guys like that, like a Josh Allen last year, like a Benny Snell, and Lynn Bowden's that guy right now. Yeah, I, I, I you know, he's not a perfect quarterback, but I, there's, I love everything about Lynn, <laughs> you know. Yes. Just yeah. his story. Uh, his background, what he's what he's been through in life, um, you know, and what he's kind of come to to mean for the program. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you could have anything but warm thoughts about uh, about Lynn Bowden. And and the, here's the other. Here's another good reason not to bail on this right now. And I don't. I don't think they will. I don't think they should. Um, I think it should be Lynn Bowden. Yeah. To the to the very end. Um, and and here's why Vanderbilt sucks, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you know, and then then it's UT Martin, and you can win those games. I think you could win those games uh, with you or I playing quarterback, you know, <laughs> um, if everything else went right. So I I think you stick with it because I think you can you can you know you can get confident again uh, in these next two games, right. Um, and figure and then figure out the passing stuff. Like I don't think you have to like get the passing sorted out until the Louisville game, uh, if at all. You know, I think you could yeah. you could beat Louisville with with a running quarterback. I mean, Tennessee's Tennessee's probably the best of the four teams that were left on the schedule. Uh, defensively, um, for and, sure. And certainly yeah. defensively. And so, you know, you 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 came within one play against that defense with those guys. I mean, again, you ran for 300 yards on that defense when they knew you were going to run at every play. So can you run on Vanderbilt? I think so. Uh, you know, can you – you certainly will be able to run on UT Martin. And, and, and let, me, let me read this to you. This is Vanderbilt's game-by-game rush defense. They gave up 323 rushing yards to Georgia, eight yards a carry. They gave up 181 to LSU, which has been is a pass-first offense now, incredibly. Uh, they gave up 413 rushing yards to Ole Miss, 9.4 oh a carry. And they have a running quarterback. 206 to UNLV, 
205 to South Carolina. I mean, yeah. Vanderbilt stinks. So yeah. leave Lynn Bowden in there. And their one moment of, you know, when they beat Missouri and it was like, save Derek Mason's job here. They turned right around and then went to South Carolina and they were in that game for three quarters and then got lost by three touchdowns. I mean, yeah, lost. And then 56 nothing to Florida on Saturday. (laughs) I mean, it's it's over. It's over for Vanderbilt. Yeah, they've laid they've laid down. I mean, they're not going to a bowl game. They're yeah, they're officially not going to a bowl game. They've lost seven games already. Uh, Six games. Uh, you know, not seven, like they're no, two seven, and seven, seven, yeah, yeah. seven games. Yeah. Um, they they don't have anything left to play for. They don't have a good run defense. L- leave Lynn Bowden in there. Leave him alone. Don't. And they won't him. be inspired by the crowd. Yeah. They won't be inspired by their own fans because right. there won't be but ten of them there. Right. There'll be more Kentucky fans there than there will be Vanderbilt. And uh, you know, I, I say I say ride them, but. Uh, I think we've gone long. I didn't even realize we'd talked as long as we have, but uh, we yeah. better wrap it up here. But we'll talk more football this week. We'll talk more basketball. There's a game, as you're listening, Tuesday, tonight. Uh, yes. So we'll be back to talk about that next time. Yeah, I got. I had another thing for football that I wanted to talk about that I'll definitely uh, bring in tomorrow or Thursday because we're definitely going to talk uh, quite a bit about that U.K. basketball game. So – uh, thanks for listening today, and go on and subscribe and, and, and like and do all that stuff. I'll I'll be better prepared with those words. Rate <laughs> us, review us, all that uh, stuff. Tell a friend. Yeah, Follow exactly. Dan on Twitter at DReefer, right? That's correct, D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. And I'm at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. We'll talk to you next time. All right. <laughs>